Train, eat, repeat. The knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Well, Happy New Year. Welcome in to Train, Eat, Repeat. Just wanted to make sure that you guys all had a wonderful New Year's, a safe and healthy New Year's, and welcome to the new year. We have turned the page officially. Yeah, we are saying officially goodbye to 2020 and hello 2021. And so welcome in, guys. Last week, we really started to kick off the new year prior to the new year, talking about how to set goals, because there's a lot of us that when that calendar changes over, we tend to sit down, reflect, plan, start to integrate our our plan for our goals. And then sometimes we have to pivot. And hopefully you're not at that pivot stage yet, only being a week into the new year. Right. It's a good time to take assessment of what you did last year, what you want to do different, but we don't want to overwhelm ourselves because this is the time where we're like, well, I'm going to change everything and I'm going to do it right now and it's going to be perfect. And so we felt it was important now that you understand how to make an effective goal. Or And if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, go back because these two podcasts are going to play off of each other. But we wanted to go through three different phases of train, eat, repeat that we feel like most people... I don't want to say they go the wrong direction, but they tend to take on a lot more. They tend to tend to overcomplicate things um, when it comes to starting out towards a new venture. And so sure. we want to make sure that you're on the right track to start. These are probably answering the probably the top three questions that we typically get from our clients. So we thought we'd share that information with you guys. So let's get started. We I wanted to talk in the training or exercise portion, you know. How to set realistic fitness goals? Because I think a lot of times there's it's estimated that 45 million people make goals that are based around health, wellness, nutrition. You know, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to lose tons of weight. But they don't necessarily have a realistic goal and a realistic outlook of what that looks like in order to achieve it. And so we want to give you an idea in terms of the training aspect in terms of exercise, what is realistic and, and you know what can you do within your own power versus what might actually set you up for failure? Sure. We've had a lot of people that come to us at the beginning of the year. Okay, well, I've going, I'm going on vacation next month, so I need to lose 20 pounds in uh, four weeks. And I appreciate that's what you want to do, and I appreciate the motivation. However, that's not possible, and it's not healthy. Any, yeah, and even if it was possible, because obviously we've known people that have lost that much weight in that short amount of time, you are greatly damaging your metabolism. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it, I no doubt in my mind, you'll feel deplenished. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel low energy. You're probably not going to sleep well. It's going to screw around with your hormones. Um, so what is realistic? What does realistic weight loss look like? I would say anywhere from one to two pounds a week. And that's a healthy, sustainable weight loss. And when you lose one to two pounds a week, that means you're keeping it off long term. It's not a, a dip in water or you forgot a meal one day type of thing. It's it's really good fat loss. And then if you're talking about like fat loss, like a, a yeah. body fat percentage, it's a little bit lower because that takes a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. So it's about a half percent to a percent every two to four weeks. And that's not just good. Like that's optimal. Like there are people that struggle to lose that body fat. And so if you're on that cadence, and again, this comes back to the fact that you should be tracking your progress Mm -hmm. as you go, because otherwise you're not going to see the small incremental changes that you're actually achieving as you go throughout. So again, if you're going to be, if your focus is on the scale going down, you know, one to two pounds, 
every week mm-hmm. is is optimal. Body fat percentage is a half percent to a percent per week. And typically, especially with our clients, I don't even have my clients weigh in every week unless it becomes somewhat of an accountability slash motivator for them. Like, hey, I know I have to do a weigh in, so I'm going to make sure that my eating habits are on point throughout this week. But really, it takes your body when you start to change your habits about nine to 14 days to sort of adapt to those changes that you're making because your body wants you to stay the way you are. So I recommend every two weeks you do a weigh-in because then there's more of a chance that you'll see progress, number one. And number two, where the scale can actually become a sort of negative Absolutely. thing where you constantly weigh in, you don't see results, you get frustrated, and then you end up quitting. Day. Yeah, you'll get on that scale, it'll, you'll see that nothing's changed, and it'll set your mood for the day, and you feel defeated, and then you almost, almost might feel, well, why should I even continue if nothing's changing? So weigh yourself on a specific day, like let's say it's Monday morning, before you jump in the shower, then put the scale away and don't bring it back out again for two weeks. Yeah. And, and that's the important piece is consistency in terms of when you do it. Because if you weigh yourself in the morning and then the next time your weigh-in comes in and you weigh in middle of the day once you've had a ton of water and food, it's going to yeah. vary. I mean, you'll fluctuate anywhere between two to five pounds of body weight in one day. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying that you've gained two pounds of fat or five pounds of muscle, but it's all about that body water, mm-hmm. right? So let's talk about frequency of working out. So a lot of times we want to develop a program to go to the gym or to work out at your home, but how many days a week and how much time should one be doing that? Well, in, in, in this case, it, it depends on the individual, but for majority of you that haven't had an exercise routine in the past, I typically recommend three days a week of full body strength training, two days a week of either active recovery, stretching, Pilates, that can be really light cardiovascular work. So like you treadmill bunnies out there that love to run, 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 run. I would emphasize the strength training first, then go into your cardiovascular training, which leaves you two days of sort of rest, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still want you to be active. But what I've found is that tends to be the most effective because we're able to send that signal to that muscle muscle multiple times throughout the week, which means that it's going to force that muscle to have to adapt and grow. Sure. So then if I'm working out three days a week and then doing active recovery, how long should my workouts last? Your workouts, if you're spending more than I would say like an hour, hour 15 max, and I'm taking into consideration your warm up and also your cool down, which are vital pieces um, if you're starting an exercise routine, routine especially if you're new, because um, you need to warm up the body prior to, to getting ready to do those movements. And it might take you a little bit more time, too, because if you're not familiar with those movements, you're actually learning on the fly. So, But anything over that, you're overdoing it. So this thought process of more is better and you know, I missed my workout yesterday, so I'm going to work out for two hours today and make up for it. It's not how it works. Okay. And what would end up happening is that number one, you're going to end up hating it. Like who has two hours to carve out of their day to spend inside of the gym, right? So overall, I would say no more than an hour to an hour and 15. You can make a very effective workout with 15 minutes, 30 minutes even. Um, But majority of your workouts, probably around that 45, 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, perfect. So what about if I'm working out, what should my intensity feel like? Like how how hard should I be pushing it? I mean, a lot of people, this is the big myth, it's no pain, no gain. So if I'm not ready to throw it by the end of the workout, I guess I didn't work out hard enough. And, and the problem with that, <laughs> with that thought process, and I've heard it before, and, and even before I was a coach, you know, I 
believed in that. Mm-hmm. Like I would go into the gym with the sole purpose that if I didn't sweat mm-hmm. and I didn't hurt when I left, I didn't work out hard mm-hmm. enough. And it's just not true. You have to vary your intensity from workout to workout in order to see results, in order to be able to bounce back from workout to workout. If you just decide you're going to go in and kill it all the time, your body keeps scoring. Your body always wins. Your body's going to say, you know what? not going to do it. So what does it do? It it makes an injury or you become so tired because your CNS is so fried that all you want to do is sleep all day. And that doesn't help you either. So here's what I would suggest in terms of intensity and what I've done with majority of my clients. You should have two workouts throughout the week that I would say are at like an eight or nine on an RPE scale. RPE stands for rate of perceived exertion. So how hard it physically feels like you're working, which if you're a newbie, it might take a while for you to really understand when you are really pushing yourself versus when you're not. Because since you're new everything is going to feel hard, right? But that's where like your hit cardio would come in, your really heavy training days with weights, because even if you're not necessarily breathing heavy, let's say you're doing like really heavy squats, you will be taxed. Mm -hmm. Like your body will be destroyed if you do really heavy squats. So only two days a week of really high intensity, the rest of the week, probably hovering somewhere between, I would say like six and eight on most of your RPE days. So The way I broke it down in terms of those three days of strength training, two days of active recovery, this is what it would look like. Your three days of strength training, I would want you in an RPE of somewhere between six and eight. Your two active recovery days, I'd want you in an RPE of no higher than four, okay? Then if you wanted to mix in hit cardio, one day a week to start because you're brand new, that's when you'll push it for an eight to nine RPE. But again, those sessions are relatively short. You're only doing that for 15 to 20 minutes because that's all your body can take. Good. And so I know a lot of people have a lot of technology out there at our, our at our glance, so to speak. We need either look at our phone or we can look at our watches. People have Apple watches, Fitbits, those type of things. What should I be looking at in terms of heart rate? Heart rate is synonymous or, or it can coincide a lot with your RPE. And I can't say that a certain heart rate zone is the right heart rate zone to be in because, again, your heart rate, it beats at a different rate than mine does. And and my heart rate is going to beat a, beat a different heart rate than another guy that mm-hmm. I know, right? So instead, I like the RPE model. Mm-hmm. However, if you have a Apple Watch or an advanced watch that actually tracks your heart rate at your wrist, or if you have a heart rate strap that you can wear on your chest, which I know some endurance athletes, they believe in that and that reading more than at the wrist. All I would say is, is that monitor your recovery time. And what I mean by that is, is let's see how long it takes for your heart rate to get from really high to really low. Because if your heart is efficient and working well, you should, and your endurance is um, increasing as you continue to work out, we should see you being able to not only do more exercise over a period of time, but then your recovery is better too. And you should also notice that your recovery heart rate or your resting heart rate is becoming lower as well. Mm -hmm. All right, great. Um, Now let's say I'm new to the gym. I'm going to start my workout program. What should, like, where do I go first for in terms of weightlifting? How heavy should I go? Um, Should I start off with the three pounds or should I go up to 15? So here's the thing. I wouldn't say that 
you need to focus on a particular weight because, again, it depends on the individual, but more so the rep range you're going to be working in. When you're first starting out, you want to be able to learn how to move efficiently and then eventually move efficiently with weight. So focus on body weight at first. Like learn the movement, learn what musculature you're trying to use and keep your reps relatively high for most movements. So for the majority of your compound movements, so things like your squats, your overhead press, your chest press, your rows, I would say somewhere between 12 and 15 repetitions with relatively light weight. And the reason why you do that is it's going to help you to learn the movement, but it's also going to help you feel the appropriate muscle group that should be working. Because if you go in and you're lifting a weight that you can only lift like six times, that something else is going to compensate to help you lift that weight when you start to tire. And that's also where I see the most injuries happen. So I would take the most time, probably I would say two, three weeks, staying in that 12 to 15 rep range. And the reason why it's a range is that you're trying to choose the weight that you can hit that rep range without going to failure. So you almost want to kind of leave two good repetitions in the tank, meaning you're able to keep good form. It's difficult, but you're going to stop before you get to that point. But you want to hit that rep range. That's huge. Okay, perfect. All right, so I am going to the gym and I'm going to work out. Now, I was this person. I used to go to the gym and I would gravitate to what I know. I didn't know how to do any strength training, so I would jump on the treadmill and I would run. That's all I would do. I didn't do the elliptical. I wasn't an elliptical person. Didn't do the stair stepper. I was just a runner on the treadmill. So is it best that I do uh, cardio versus weightlifting? Uh, Yes and no. So cardio is is fantastic. There's numerous studies out there uh, in terms of how it's great for your heart, great for your metabolism, great for many other factors. But here's the thing. Strength training, in my opinion, should always trump cardiovascular training. And to your point, that's why most people don't do strength training is because they don't know what they don't know, right? They don't have any clue what they should be doing, not to mention the intimidation factor. When you go to a gym and they're surrounded by people that your thought process is everybody knows what they're doing, which I'm here to tell you that a lot of people don't still, Right. right? But here's the thing. You want a good mixture of it. And so if you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck, you love cardio, that's great. You can still do cardio. But like I outlined in those three-day-a-week patterns, cardio is always secondary to strength training. So you always want to do your strength training first, your cardio last. And here's the reason why. Besides your warm-up, right? I'm not talking about your five to 10-minute warm-up you might do on the treadmill. It takes more energy for your body to move your body through space and or weight. And so I don't want you to be fatigued from a 30-minute cardio session and then go and lift weights. The other thing, too, is that you burn more calories after a weight training session than you ever will doing a cardio session. Cardio sessions, you burn more calories during, but the afterburn effect is only four to eight hours. Four to eight hours, not 48 hours. However, it is 24 to 48 hours after a strength training session. So that's the benefit. Who wouldn't want to come home from a strength training session, be lying in bed and still burning calories from that workout, right? Yes. I will tell you that was my mindset a while ago that I was just a cardio girl. And then I wanted to um, really put on some muscle and I really didn't understand how that would change the shape of my body. I didn't become bulky. I didn't become overweight. I didn't look like a man, but I did was able to look athletic and look toned. 
Absolutely. And you're able to maintain it long term, yeah. right? Yeah. So you don't you won't have that um what they term they call it skinny fat. Yeah. Skinny right. Fat. And so and and not to mention just the a myriad of other benefits when you're talking about a woman in terms of staving off things like osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, the stronger your muscles are, the stronger your bones are too. Perfect. Great. Well, that was a lot of information. Let's go on to the next part, which is our eat. Yeah, the nutrition piece. So wanted to bring up, and and mostly because I have a subject matter expert here and being a, a lacto-ovo vegetarian, I got it right that time. Look at that. But but veggie, veggies seem to be the sort of unicorn of the, of the plate world. And the reason why is that majority of the diets that we come across are very processed. Um, there's so much of, a, of an emphasis on eating meat. And I'm a flexitarian. I eat meat. But if you watch commercials, there's nothing touting vegetables. When you watch, I just saw a Subway commercial the other day. It was protein bowls and double meats. And we have the meats from Arby's, right? I kind of sound like him. But, but, but the problem is, is that veg, vegetables in general have the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to vitamins, minerals, fiber, and can reverse and prevent Mm -hmm. so many diseases and Mm -hmm. ailments. But I think a lot of times what holds people back from eating more vegetables, other than the fact that we don't have commercials on them because it's not, not as sexy as protein bowls, right, is the fact that people don't know how to make them. Sure. They don't know how to pre- prepare them. So I was just curious from the vegetarian you know, sort of side of things is what is it about, like, how do we make vegetables more accessible and more palatable? Sure. So I would say, uh, as you mentioned before, we talked about a lot of our diets are processed. So when we step away from that processed diet, our taste buds really change and we're able to really taste a lot of different flavors. Now, I was I was a picky eater when I was growing up. I did not eat like I do now. Um, however, I do make sure that I have vegetables at every meal. So what I might try to do first is with breakfast. Everyone's like, you have vegetables for breakfast? Yes, absolutely. So I start off and I might scramble two to three eggs and I'll put some broccoli in there, maybe some Brussels sprouts, some spinach, some red peppers, whatever I have on hand that I didn't have that wasn't prepared already. I'll just throw them into the pan, put a little salt and pepper on them, let them like sizzle up a little bit, and then I'll put the eggs on top of that. You can put that in a wrap as well. There's a lot of different things you can do in the morning with vegetables. You could have a morning salad with your with your meal. If you're having oatmeal, There's a, or you can do a smoothie and put vegetables in your smoothie. Um, it's hard to make the, take that plunge when you are going from no vegetables to vegetables. So if you're looking to ease into it, so have vegetables in the morning for breakfast, whether it's some carrot sticks, some celery, cucumber, or in your eggs, those type of things. And then at lunchtime, uh, you could do um, some sweet potatoes with Brussels sprouts and broccoli, maybe mash that up together. Uh, you could make a salad, but make it really colorful. And I'm not talking salad like iceberg lettuce because that has no nutritional value in it whatsoever. Go with a really green leafy vegetable. Um, if you can do kale, cut up and put some kale on there or some spinach with some romaine. Make it really colorful of all the different colors in the in the rainbow type of thing. So you want to maybe put some red peppers in there, cucumbers, celery. Uh, you can put some uh, chickpeas in there for a little bit of protein as well. There's so many different things you can add to your salad and make it taste good. And use the dressing that you like. And I'm not saying use ranch. I'm not a ranch lover. Please use like an Oreo oil with like balsamic dressing, something like that. 
Test out the different flavors that you have. And then at dinner time, make a big roast pan of vegetables or a big saute pan full of vegetables or a big stir fry. Make more than you would usually have at one sitting so you have them left over for the next day so you can eat them again that next day. So have veggies at every meal is possible, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, Andrea, you just t- probably added another 10 to 15 minutes to my morning because I got to chop up all these vegetables. No. I got to I gotta put them in. I don't know wh- what goes with what. So what are some of the things that you've seen like grocery stores do recently that sure. has made vegetables more accessible and easier to sort of prepare? Sure. So a lot of different grocery stores, Costco uh, being one, um, they sell big bag of broccoli and a big bag of Brussels sprouts. They sell that chopped up kale salad, which is super yummy and got a bunch of yummy things in there. Um, But also some places like Kroger in their produce section, they have prepared chopped vegetables. Sometimes they're seasoned already with salt and pepper and a little bit of olive oil. So all you have to do is dump them into a pan or put them on a cooking sheet and put them in the oven. And like I said, make more than you would usually eat. Leftover vegetables go a long way. You could always put them into your breakfast wrap the next day, put them into your salad, put them in with a chicken to make a quick stir fry. There's tons of ways that you can add them through your everyday. But if you're going to make big salads, come home with all your fresh vegetables, chop them up before you put them in the fridge so they're already chopped up. So all you have to do is dig into your fridge and build your salad. Everything's chopped up and already done. And if you're one of those people like a lot like us, really, like we know how to put a proper meal together, but we're not obviously not chefs, right? So like we don't know, we know to a certain extent what flavors go with other flavors and what might taste good, but a lot of it ends up kind of being an experiment. Sure. And something fun that we've really tried to do, I would say every week for the last like month or so is we one time a week, we try to eat something that's different mm-hmm. to see... Number one, if we like it, Uh if we want to get it into our routine, but they're always vegetable based. Like last night, we usually make this combination of sweet potatoes with different beans and uh, broccoli and Brussels sprouts kind of mashed together and just throw it in a bowl. And I'm a big bowl guy. Like that's probably the easiest way to consume your vegetables is throw it together with everything else you like. You won't even notice it. So like if you're not even a big fan of vegetables, all the flavors are going to marry together. And to Andrea's point, they, your taste buds will start to change. But what we did last night, I was like, what if we threw in, (laughs) (laughs) I got excited. What if we threw in like some honey and some hot sauce and kind of made like this honey sriracha, you know, sauce to go with it. Now, we learned a lot about it in terms of the fact that we needed more seasoning, more we, like, garlic. dissected the food as we were eating it. We did. We, <laughs> I felt like we were on like a one of those like uh, cooking shows or something yeah. like that. Guy Fieri was like in the background like, no, that doesn't look good, bro. Um, but again, that's the fun of it. So you can make eating vegetables or putting vegetables into your diet fun. What about, um, I've had a lot of clients that... For breakfast, again, talking about the rush factor, but also too, like, no, we, some people just don't like the consistency of like kale or spinach. What about throwing in a shake? Absolutely. You could take a lot of different vegetables. So if you're making a smoothie, you actually want to have more vegetable ratio to fruit ratio. So you want to lessen that sugar and have more vegetables. So if you're going to add something in like kale that is really um, hard palatably, is that a word? It's hard to eat by itself. So you throw it in there and you want something to mask it. So throw some kale in there, maybe some spinach, maybe a cucumber, and then throw a green apple and a banana in there 
and, you know, maybe some almond milk and blend that up. And you won't taste that kale because it'll be so masked with that banana that you put in there. And then what about like, I've seen like green replacement powders. Actually, I use a green yeah. replacement powder on days that I know I I'm no, well. not getting a lot in. Yeah. What's the benefit <laughs> of doing those? Is that something that I can just use instead of eating vegetables? So I, I as a vegetarian, use a um, supplement, a, a, a green powder as well. Simply because we're supposed to have five to nine servings of vegetables at every meal, or I'm sorry, throughout the whole day. That is a lot of vegetables. And when you're on the go, it's really hard to get them all in. I eat a lot more vegetables than the average person. However, I'm still not eating enough. And I know that when I have my green supplement, I feel much better. But green supplement is a good way to really tip your toe in and start having more of those green vegetables, those antioxidants, that fiber that you're looking for and that you need to have in your diet. So we're using it more so in the interim. Yeah. It's again, and it's our philosophy here at Train to Repeat that a supplement is exactly that. It's a supplement to an otherwise healthy diet. And so use the supplements uh, if you're traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's one of the b- best times to bring it with you. Like on vacation, yeah. how far off do you eat oh, from yeah. your diet, right? And some of it's because of what you have available to you. But also, also yeah. too, like if you want to live it up a little bit, if you take those greens with you, you will not believe how much better you feel coming yeah. back. It won't be such a harsh like <laughs> hit of reality when you come back to your regular eating ways. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So from the, the vegetarian herself, <laughs> um, what is like the best advice you can give around like eating vegetables or how you season them or your favorite like veggie like combination that somebody could easily try? Sure. Uh, So I love cucumbers. That's probably the easiest vegetable for people to eat. Um, A lot of people, they don't say, they say that they're not very nutritious, but has a lot of water and a lot of vitamin E in it as well. So uh, cucumbers are really great. I chop them up while I'm making dinner to have kind of like an appetizer with some hummus or by themselves or throw them in my salad. Uh, So I'm a big fan of cucumbers. The next is I'm a big fan of broccoli. I think I could like have broccoli coming out of my ears as much as I eat that. So I really like broccoli. There's so many different ways you can cook it in the sense you can roast it. uh, You can put it in a pan and saute it. You can steam it. There's all these different ways you can cook the broccoli. And then if you like broccoli, try another vegetable with it, maybe a red pepper to give it a different flavor value. Always start with salt and pepper, and then you can go out from your seasonings from there. Salt and pepper goes a long way. Perfect. And I think it goes without saying, like vitamins, minerals, water that you get from your vegetables. How about fiber? Yeah. Like fiber is probably one of the things that most people miss out on because of the processed diet that we eat. And any vegetable is going to be a great source of fiber. And realistically, depending on your age range, but it's usually right around like 21 to 25 grams of fiber is recommended per day. The only thing though I'll say is that you want to be careful with it because if you're eating a lot of vegetables along with other fibrous foods, so like beans, legumes, whole grains, it can be a little bit harsh in your stomach. Your stomach will get adapted to it. So just be aware of that if you start heading down that venture with uh, vegetables. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And like you said, as you start to eat more, your stomach will be able to adapt to that. Excellent. So eat your vegetables. <laughs> I feel like we're like an old PSA. <laughs> we're like your your uh, your mom and your dad. And again, from from a serving perspective, a fist. That's it. A fist or more. 
right? Oh, so let's go with more. Yeah, fist or more at each meal. So start small, you know, maybe just try something like broccoli, which you can find literally anywhere. It takes seven times to eat a vegetable to realize if you like it or not. So put it on your plate seven times. There you go. Then that also could be like a good thing for your kids too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's go into the the repeat or the mindfulness aspect. And I wanted to talk about this topic because I was talking with a client the other day and she sort of had a realization and it, well, it didn't have anything to do with the new year, but she had sort of expressed to me that she finally felt like she was ready to take on more. And I'll sort of explain what that means. But like the question is, is like, are you ready for that next phase, that next challenge in your life? You know, with the turning of the calendar, Pretty much everybody in, you know, with 2021 on the already here, there will be droves of individuals looking to start a new fitness routine, eat better, reduce their stress or chase other some some other type of goal. But do you know if you're ready for more change? Because in the case of my one client, she had this epiphany of like, you know, I didn't realize that I was taking on the fact that I needed to move. I needed to quit my old job so I could get a new job and just how much of a toll that was on her. You know, so many of us strive for new goals come the new year or at any point throughout the year before we have a chance to realize if now is the right time to take on such a drastic life change. Because if you're already knee deep in do you know what and your logical brain is working overtime, adding more on the plate isn't going to make things better. It's going to make things more complicated. It's more things for you to figure out. So think about and in terms of like starting a new job, think about the most recent job that you started, right? It doesn't matter if you've been there for five years, but take yourself all the way back to when you first started. How much time did it take for you to feel comfortable? Like you had a grasp on your responsibilities and the systems, you know, most of the tasks you did felt automated or routine, which means that you were able to sort of relax a little bit per se. If you're like most, and, and this was me, any new job I've ever started, it took three months up to a year to finally feel like I wasn't drowning, you know, which is exactly how you can feel if you're juggling priorities already and then expecting to change other aspects of your life. So if you have all these life events going on inside your life, if you're pregnant, if you have children, if you got a new puppy, I mean, a new you're a new homeowner and you're renovating it, those are big, like life-altering changes that you're going through right now. And so would it be good for you to then pile on even more on top of that? And each person is different, right? Like, you know, some people can handle more than others. Some are better planners than others. But I think what it comes down to is, you know, do you necessarily need to wait until you're 100% comfortable? I would say it's yes and no. I think the yes part of that is, is that you need to first assess how much more you can put on your plate without making it feel like you are burning both ends of the candle. Because if you're doing that, you're going to fall flat in your face. And not only that, if you're being pulled in two different directions, working on two different projects, I almost talk about in the the case of like alcohol, right? When you ingest alcohol into your body, your liver's main process is to regulate your metabolism. It's also there to filter, pro- filter out alcohol. So if you're giving it two jobs, it's going to do both of those jobs half as good. Right. So we don't want that either. But you shouldn't 
On the other hand, though, once you've assessed if you can take on more or if you should take on more, I don't think you should should kibosh what you're trying to work on completely. So let's say that you have all these P's and Q's that you're trying to take care of in your life. I don't think that should be the reason that you don't even start it at all, right? But you know, more so identify a couple small initiatives that you can take on. So, you know, maybe it's something around like your exercise that you want to change. Think small Mm -hmm. in terms of what you can change and go back and listen to the beginning of this podcast where we were talking about the exercise portion. Don't set yourself up for failure. Don't like, I'm going to work out every single day except for Saturday and Sunday. And here starts the week and you wake up and you're like, I don't feel like working out. I'm too tired and I've got this and that going on. And I think too, it's, it's being okay. Yeah. And, and, but it takes that realization, right? Set yourself up for something you're going to do. Yeah. Right. So like, take for instance, a year ago, Mm -hmm. I was just moving into this house. I had to do a ton of work after work. Mm -hmm. Like I was ripping out wallpaper and ripping up carpet and painting. You were doing some of it Mm -hmm. with me too. Mm -hmm. I still worked out and Mm -hmm. I still made it a priority, but I had already had that habit set. Were my workouts like 100% 100% on right. fire. Right. Not necessarily. Was my eating 100%? Not necessarily. Right. But I tried to keep some basic principles in mind and habits in mind that I had already built. So those could be my foundation. So I didn't slip back completely and also ensure that my house got done on time. Right. Was there an instance in your life that like you can point to where things were really hectic and but you had to like step back but not too far away? Oh sure. I, I think everyone has that. You know, moving into a new house and getting your house ready, like you just mentioned, we we both moved into a new house probably six months apart from each other. And here you move in, you still have to work, you still have to maintain the household functions, but you have to get your house ready. So like you had said, my workouts didn't change. My eating patterns didn't change. I was highly stressed as anyone would be in that situation. However, it's a priority for me that that's a non-negotiable, that I try and stick with my normal habits that I typically do. And the days that I don't do those habits, I realize that something is off and something is missing. So I try and stay true to those. But yes, I might change it in the sense that maybe it's not a strength training day and I just don't feel it in my body, but I'm still going to move myself for at least 30 minutes. So that way, I can feel better about my body and that it has moved and that I've moved for a certain purpose. And that's the important piece is like it will stick no matter what you have going on inside of your world if it gives you a great feeling, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like people will always keep that. It's like coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to keep coffee in your routine because it wakes you up. It keeps you energized. You like the flavor, right? So no matter what's going on inside of your world, you know that coffee needs to be a staple in your morning or it's quiet time that needs to be a staple in your morning that you need five to 10 minutes by yourself before the kids wake up, right? Whatever that is, try to hold on to that without necessarily saying, I'm going to change everything that I'm doing while also having all these other factors that you're trying to take care of. But, you know, I just, I thought it was so appropriate because I've never heard somebody sort of put it that way, that they felt like they were in the new phase of their Mm -hmm. life because they had figured some things out. They were finally happy where they were Mm -hmm. and, you know, finally ready to like take on more initiatives. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us today. Again, if you missed any part of the topics, you can go back through them. And if you didn't, if you're listening to this podcast and didn't listen to last week's podcast, I would almost maybe go back to last week's. Push pause. Push pause. Go back to, go back to last episode. week's <laughs> and then listen to this podcast. Well, it's kind of late now to hit pause. You just listen to the whole thing. But push pause anyway. But we want to continue this trend throughout the rest of this month. I will have a very special guest towards the end of this month, and I can't wait to share that with you guys. And I will do that next week. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. Happy New Year and take care. Thanks for listening to Train, Eat, Repeat. Connect with us on Instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy.